Well, as uh, mentioned at the beginning of the service, uh, it is Communion Sunday for us, uh, that first Sunday of the month where we typically have a, a shorter message and one that is really meant to help us uh, focus on the table, uh, focus on the Lord's Supper, and in many ways to, to set the table, uh, so to speak, as we uh, get ready to receive from our God. And I want to begin with what might seem to be kind of an odd question, but it was one that I just kept thinking about this past week, so I figured I would ask you. And, and the question is this, I'm wondering if others uh, also grew up being told that eating carrots was good for your eyesight. Anyone? Okay, okay, good, good. And, and it really is, so keep eating the carrots, it's, it's a good thing to do. But as, as I, w- I was thinking about it, I, I was thinking about just spiritually speaking, how eating from this table, it's good for our eyesight. It it strengthens our sight. Now, as you know, we've been in the book of James, and one of the things that James does is he he draws a good bit uh, from the Beatitudes. Uh, The Beatitudes found in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, found particularly in in Matthew 5. And what we're going to do today as we prepare to come to the table, is is we're going to look at one of those Beatitudes that is about our sight. And it's the sixth Beatitude. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And before uh, we hear this part of God's Word, let's go to Him in prayer. Well, God of life and love, God of justice and mercy... God of all grace. Now, we ask you now to open the eyes of our hearts that we might see Jesus more clearly, that we might see the living Word through the written Word as your Spirit is at work within us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we come. Amen. So hear now the Word of God. This is Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Verses 1 and 2 and verse 8. Seeing the crowds, uh, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God shall see God. Well, I, I can't help but think of one of my favorite scenes from the uh, Academy Award-winning movie, Ray. Now, the story of Ray Charles uh, came out about 20 years ago. If you haven't seen it, it it's a, a wonderful portrayal. If you know anything about Ray Charles, not only was he a brilliant uh, musician, but you also know that he was blind, now, famous for the dark shades that he wore all the time. And and in the movie, he's played brilliantly by Jamie Foxx. And the the scene, my my favorite scene in the entire movie is a scene where a young Ray Charles has invited a a young woman on a date. And they're meeting for lunch. Uh, It's a beautiful spring day, and they're sitting in the very very center of uh, this, this restaurant. And so there are a lot of people around. All the tables are are filled, so a lot of conversation, a lot of hustle and bustle. Uh, The the servers, the the in and out of the kitchen. 
So if we were having lunch, we would really have to be leaning into each other to be paying attention and engaging with one another. And so Ray makes a few comments to this young woman that, that surprised her. And he asks why she's surprised. And she said, well, because you can't see. How do you know these things? And he says, you see with your eyes, but I see with my ears. For example, and there's a window about as far away as that window is from this pulpit. There's a window open. He says, for example, I see the hummingbird flying right outside that window. And she looks and she's stunned. And what I, what I love about it is, is it gets to the reality that sight is, is so often about more than our physical eyes. And that's what Jesus is getting at in verse 8 of Matthew 5. Again, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so what we're going to do this morning as we, as we prepare ourselves to come to the table is we're going to, we're going to look at this beatitude in its two parts. We're going to answer the uh, two questions. Uh, what does it mean to be pure in heart? And what does it mean to see God? And so first, purity of heart. What does it mean to be pure in heart? In heart. Okay, those, uh, those two words right there, in heart, they indicate the type of purity that, that Jesus is speaking to. And that brings us back to, to a question that we've already talked about a, a couple, three weeks ago uh, when we were in James uh, chapter 3, that moved into, into chapter 4, and it's the question of the heart. And so the, the, the Greek word is cardia, it's where we get our English word uh, cardiac, and just as a refresher, biblically speaking, which is used very differently than the way we often uh, talk about heart, but biblically speaking, the heart refers to the very center of a person, at the very core of someone. And so it is the home of human uh, feeling, thinking, willing. The biblical, hurt, uh, the biblical term heart encompasses not only the emotions, but also the mind and the will. And thus, it informs everything that we do. It's the very center of who we are. And so Jesus is blessing those who are centered on God. And yet Jesus' assessment of the heart, it's not very encouraging. For example, later in Matthew, in chapter 15, Jesus says this, out of the heart, out of the core of a person, come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, and so on. And this echoes the prophet Jeremiah, uh, who says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so any biblical reference to the heart does a couple of things. It points both to the center of our human personality and also to the source of our human problem. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. The pure. Now, if you're like me and you hear that, that feels pretty weighty. So, so what is it to be pure? 
Well, the word here, the, the Greek word is katharis, meaning uh, purification, cleansing. It's where we get our English word cathartic. So you might think of it to, to purge, to, to cleanse. Speaking of something that is un, unmixed, unalloyed, unadulterated. You think about pure gold where all the impurities have been, have been burned off or pure maple syrup, okay? Not artificially flavored or colored, but the real deal. Pure in heart is to be unmixed at the center. In other words, to be undivided. That sound familiar? To be undivided. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are undivided and centered on God. Now, Pastor Sinclair Ferguson points this out. He says, the impurity involved here is the impurity of compromise and accommodation. The impure heart is not simply unclean, it is undecided and divided. It is characteristic of the person that James describes as double-minded and therefore uh, unstable in all his ways. So that's what we're talking about here with impurity. And there, there's a book title that really gets at the meaning of purity that Jesus uh, uses here. And that book title comes from a Danish a theologian philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard. I wrote a book entitled this, Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. To Will One Thing. To be fully focused, completely committed. Again, Jesus says, blessed are those who are undivided, centered on God. Those who will one thing. Those who will to, to know and extend the love of God. Those who will the glory of God. And D.A. Carson offers a, a helpful warning he says this, purity of heart must never be confused with mere conformity to rules. Something might look good on the outside, but don't be deceived by appearances. Don't confuse appearance with reality. Okay, so for example, think about a beautiful spring day. I mentioned that in the, the illustration from Ray. It was a beautiful spring day. Actually, if you look outside right now, it looks like a beautiful spring day, but we know that it's cold. But spring is right around the corner. I can't, I can't remember. Did the groundhog say we're going to get it earlier this year? Yes, okay, okay. I don't know whether that's true, but, but we do know, nonetheless, spring is around the corner. So, the, you know, think about you're, you're here on a Sunday, the, the sun is shining, uh, you, you've got uh, the blue skies, uh, low humidity, uh, temperatures cool and crisp, and you're thinking, I can't wait to be outside this afternoon because the air is so, so clean and pure. Or is it? No, it's springtime. That means it is pollen season. That means that if you wash your car on the way home, by evening it's going to be covered in yellow. And so the air may appear to be clean and pure, but it's not. And so the point is this. 
The insidious nature of sin is a lot like the insidious nature of pollen. It gets everywhere, okay? And, and, and cheesy as, as that, that may be, it, it really does get at the fact that we are helpless, just as we are helpless in our fight against pollen, so in and of ourselves, we are helpless in our fight against sin because we can't make ourselves pure. Only God can make us pure in heart. And so we must look to him. We've got to seek to see God, which then leads to the second part of this beatitude. And so second, seeing God. What does it mean to see God? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is the promise. Now, if you've been around the church long enough, you know that there is a day that is coming. It's pointed to in lots of places in Scripture, places like Revelation 21, 22, but that one day, as the Bible tells us, one day we will see God face to face. One day we will see Him just as He is. And that great day is coming. When Jesus returns, renews all things, and our sight will be perfected. But what about here and now? I mean, what about today? Can I really see God today? Well, the Apostle Paul makes clear at the beginning of Ephesians that we can see today, and that it's not actually with our physical eyes, but with spiritual eyes, or, or to use his words, we see with the eyes of our hearts. Okay, that's not my phrase, that, that's Paul's phrase. It's through the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of faith, that we see Jesus. Or, or in the words of Jesus. Uh, Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen with physical eyes and yet have believed, seeing with the eyes of their hearts. Now, I really like the way that R.C. Sproul uh, puts it. He, he, he explains that we see God through the insight of faith and repentance. That's how we see God. Now, today, we see God through the insight of faith and repentance. Okay, so, so think of it like this. Some of you wear corrective lenses. You know, I have to, the older I get, I got to keep these things in my pocket, my readers. But, you know, think about if you are wearing a pair of glasses, okay? If you're wearing a pair of glasses, you've got to look through both lenses to see clearly. If you remove one lens, your vision is distorted. I mean, maybe some of you have experienced that. A lens pops out and you're like, well, you try to put on your glasses. You just can't do it. And so it is with the gospel, Okay, you, you, need to, you need both of the lenses, repentance and faith, to see Jesus. We must look through both lenses to see clearly. And Paul makes clear that we live the Christian life not once through repentance and faith, but through daily repentance and faith. That's why we come back to it again and again and again. We know it, but then we just forget it. And so we've got to be reminded, repentance, seeing our sin, our need, faith, seeing the cross and God's provision. Repentance, turning from our sin, faith, turning to our Savior, again and again, day after day. And both are gifts. 
the gift of repentance, the gift of faith. But here's the thing. We don't really like repentance, do we? Or, or at least we think we don't. And what we end up doing, because we don't really understand it most of the time, is, is we try to then avoid it, which is one of the easiest ways to avoid Jesus. We think about something like purity of heart, to, to will one thing, and it feels so weighty. And it is. Because if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we all fall short. And truth be told, I don't will one thing. I, I wish that I did. I, I, I wish that I were wholeheartedly changed in an instant. Sometimes I think I should, and so I just pretend. But because of that, then I, then I so often will avoid true repentance because I don't want to admit that I don't have it all together, that I haven't yet arrived. And, and that's not going to happen until Jesus returns, makes it all right, makes everything new. But friends, here's the thing about change. Even small change is real change. And change in the Christian life, it, it takes place over time. It is a, a process. It is incremental. And so don't be discouraged. I know so many days it feels like two steps forward, one step back. Maybe some days it feels like one step forward and two steps back. But it's real change nonetheless because the Holy Spirit is at work within you as you and I are working through the power of God's grace. One day at a time, one step at a time. And so repentance alongside of faith is how we actually grow in the direction of real change, increasingly becoming more and more pure in heart. And so we've got to continually look through those gospel lenses of repentance and faith. And as we do that, the eyes of our hearts are better able to focus. Just like when I put on my readers to read something small, able to better focus looking through both of those lenses. And as we're better able to see, we're then able to be wowed, amazed by the power of who God is because we are seeing Jesus more clearly. Take off the glasses, you can't see clearly. Remove either of the lenses and your vision is distorted. But the question is, do you, do you really want to see Jesus? Do you really want to see him more clearly? And if the answer is yes, then start looking through or, or continue looking through both lenses each and every day and be amazed by what you see. So when I was in, in seminary, a fellow student, a guy by the name of Steve Waldschmidt. Now, Steve was from Calgary, Alberta, uh, and, and he was an actor. He, he wrote a short play uh, for one of our classes on the biblical account where Peter meets Jesus for the very first time. You might be familiar with the story, and, and in this short play, he has Peter say this to Jesus. Go away from me, Jesus, because I will make you dirty. 
To which Jesus responds, no, Peter, you will not make me dirty. I will make you clean. I will make you pure in heart. And so come to me and see the reality that is greater than your sin. Well, brothers and sisters in love, that is the very same invitation that Jesus extends to you and to me. As we continually look to him, we grow in purity of heart. And as we grow in purity of heart, we grow in seeing him more and more clearly. Well, this morning we have the opportunity to to come to Jesus, uh, to see him in a very tangible way. And just as eating carrots is good for our eyesight, so eating from this table is good for the eyes of our hearts. And this is a gift that Jesus has given uh, to his church to strengthen us, that we might see him more clearly, that we might grow in purity of heart. And given that it is a gift to his church, it is for those who have looked to him by faith for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. And so if that describes you, and you're a part of a local church that proclaims this good news, then this meal is for you. And Jesus says, come, taste, and see.